Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just fans, we're not just critics, we're Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Negroni from the Internet, California, and from the Internet, Pennsylvania, my co-host, of course, Will Ashton. Hey. And all the way from across the table from me, we, of course, have, from the broadband basement, Soundmaster Maverick Hines. A little bitter I wasn't introduced also as a co-host, but it's whatever. It's implied. And we have a special guest this week, all the way from the Internet, Buckeye. Are you still in Buckeye, Adonis Gonzalez? Unfortunately, yes. See, that's what I assumed. I wanted to make sure. But yes, from Where's the internet. Where's Buckeye? What? What's Buckeye? Where is that It's at? in Arizona. Oh. It's like a much worse Oz because no one can find it, but you don't really want to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Cinema Hawks for the first time, Adonis. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're talking about Black Panther this week on the show and a few other mini reviews, including Early Man, Game Night, The Ritual, and more. But uh, Black Panther is the main event, and before we get into it, we have a couple of announcements. What a surprise. Uh, okay, so we, lo- we told you guys last week the Cinemaholics is now on Spotify, and I was watching the numbers, and it looks like plenty of you uh, took to it and are using Spotify for the podcast. Hope you enjoy the whole archives on there. But not only is Cinemaholics on Spotify, but it's also on an app that nobody knows. Like, okay, I, I feel like tune in, tune in the app that people know what this app is. Like, it's a very popular app. But when I said it to Maverick, to never Will, you guys it. were like, whatever. Yeah, never heard of that before in my life. It's it's like the radio app. Like, have you ever heard of it, Adonis? Yeah. I No, honestly. Okay, the well. The radio app. That doesn't even sound appealing. Well, no, like, you remember, you know, like, iHeartRadio? Yeah. TuneIn is yeah. bigger than that. <laughs> like, it's like. Really? The fir- it was like the first iOS app that you could, like, listen to, like, local radio stations from your phone and, like, that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. Heard of iHeartRadio, but not yeah. I've heard of the one that's bigger than as well. Well, fine. <laughs> if I get on iHeartRadio, you guys love me. Like, is that what oh, I have absolutely. to do? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it'll be a pretty on, big deal, man. Get on Pandora. Oh, Pandora! <laughs> you guys want a Pandora <laughs> Cinemaholics? Oh, it started with Get Out. <laughs> Perfect. But fine. Cinemaholics is on TuneIn, and I know plenty of people use TuneIn. So for those of you who are more with the times, uh, have fun with that, and uh, you get to be more advanced than. Maverick Hines and Will Ashton and Donis Gonzalez. But check out the full archive of Cinema Hawks. And we have another announcement. Um, our Patreon is live. What? Yeah. We talked about it last week. <laughs> was that too fake sounding? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> I was going to say, you wouldn't know it based on the numbers, but. We, we, we're still, we're, we just started. We're still collecting the checks. Well, here, here, here's what's up. Yeah. We launched it with, with nothing. We're like, here's a Patreon. Here we go. But now we actually have things that are on there. That's right. That John has sneakily put live other places anyway that you can get if you don't Not find true. them live on John's okay. YouTube channel already. So so here's <laughs> here's how Patreon works for those of you who aren't aware. Patreon is a is an easy way for you to support Cinemaholics and in the process get rewards and perks and stuff. Pretty affordably too. I think that's worth mentioning. Like yeah, yeah. our entry level 
subscription is like two dollars two dollars and if you do more than that like we have all kinds of crazy stuff we have an option where you can actually direct an ep- a bonus episode of cinemaholics Ooh. so that's all live now um and if you become a patron today tomorrow whenever uh you can get access to our new spinoff show anyway that's all i got hosted by fellow cinemaholic sam noland so if you become a patron like as you listen to this you'll get that whole episode uh like five days early or whatever depending on when you're listening to this. And it's an awesome episode. They did uh, the top five remakes of all time. And uh, I was listening to it yesterday and it's it's fantastic. They're, those guys are doing a great job. The Jason Reed and Anthony Battaglia are also on the show. And uh, you can get early access every week to bonus episodes like that uh, as a patron. And you get exclusive content uh, bef- that no one else is getting. So we, uh, we're still figuring out how to make it 100% exclusive, as Maverick alluded to earlier. Um, but we did a drive home review of Black Panther on Tuesday. So if you're a patron, you can actually go on there anytime and check it out. But uh, if you're a patron, when those things get dropped, you can get, we, we're doing these things like, uh, you know, where we record little reviews on like driving home from the theater. And it was, it was pretty good, Mav. I had a good time doing that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. The lighting wasn't super great. But you could, whenever the light would hit our faces, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, the video quality, not much to write home about. But <laughs> it was a fun conversation because it was at night. To be fair, um, but yeah, it was very it was very casual, very off the cuff. So that was kind of what I liked about it. Um, it was good. So all that said, check all of that out on our Patreon. Uh, the link is uh, Patreon.com/slash/Cinemaholics, or check out the link in our show notes and. Uh, uh, let us know. I, I, we've never asked you this before, but uh, we, we've been trying to figure out like how you guys listen to Cinemaholics, like what your favorite platforms are. And we have an idea, but I sometimes I wonder. I don't trust technology to tell me stuff like that. So uh, let us know in the comments your favorite way to check out the show and listen so that we can uh, use that information for good. Well, that said, let's talk about Black Panther. Um, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. This is the, I believe, 17th Marvel film. Um, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, thanks again for Adonis Gonzalez guesting to talk about the the movie with us. It's a big movie, and we thought it was oh, yeah. uh, definitely deserving of four people. But uh, yeah, before we get into it, the film was directed by Ryan Coogler, uh, who's like a barely older than I am, which is kind of crazy. And uh, it stars Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Tonight Guerrera, Martin Freeman, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, newest Disney princess Letitia Wright, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, and Andy Serkis. I mean, this is one of the best casts we might see all year. So uh, that already kind of gives you a sense of where... I'm oh, sorry, this is the 18th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just saw that in the notes. That said, let's talk to Will Ashton. Turn it to you, sir. What did you think of Black Panther? Well, I mean, this is the one I've been looking forward to for a good while. I mean, I've expressed in the show my somewhat trepidatious feelings towards the MCU of late. I mean, I'd like most of them. I, I have enjoyed my time with them, but none of them have really stuck with me besides like a handful or so uh, that changes with black Panther. Honestly, I think in my opinion, black Panther is the first essential uh, MCU movie. And what I mean by that is I think it's the first one that feels like it's going to be the game changer that, Marvel was tending to make when they first started out literally 10 years ago with Iron Man and this whole expansive cinematic universe. What, what do you mean by game changing then? Like in what way? Yeah. So when they started off in 2008 with Iron Man, they had this lofty goal of expanding their universe, not only in 
the sense that we got to see all these characters connect, but we got to see all these stories and angles that we never seen before. So now with Black Panther, we have this whole new world that feels completely fresh and inviting and best of all, invigorating in a way that I feel like the Marvel movies have otherwise not necessarily been. I mean, as fun as, say, Guardians of the Galaxy has been and as enjoyable as Spider-Man Homecoming was and as much as I enjoyed Iron Man 1 and 2 and 3, I feel like this is going to be the one that's really going to make them like the top superhero movie makers. Like they're going to be as long as they're telling these type of stories, as long as they're changing perspectives and giving these people this many different avenues to tell like these big, beautiful stories. I think it's going to be a really exciting time for the MCU. So this movie just made me feel very hopeful and inspired by what can become of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I'm kind of with Will on the impact of Marvel films as of late. Uh, none of them, I've none of them have been bad to me. I loved Guardians and Spider-Man, but uh, as of recently, Spider-Man: Homecoming is probably the only one that really, really stuck with me uh, until Black Panther. And I think that it's a very impacting movie. I think it's very, um, it's more about. I, I think it is a game changer because it's it's one of the first movies in a long time where it's less about the the acts of superheroics and like these big budget world ending villains coming to fight these heroes and all these these big action scenes and chase scenes i mean there's a lot of action and chase scenes in the movie but i think like at the core of the film it's about the characters and character development and the people of wakanda and i really like that they they stuck to that to that message and um i wouldn't say it's i like with this i i wouldn't say it's very um well no i would i'd say it's a very uh strong message to to say in a superhero movie and it's definitely the first time in a long time that these movies have had a message like that unless i'm forgetting some message in recent marvel movies i don't know i might be or i just missed one uh but i i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed the message they had i love the characters i don't think there was a single character in here that i didn't enjoy throughout the movie even the villain i mean i i loved his character arc uh obviously killmonger not so much claw don't think he had much of a <laughs> different character arc his character um, arc was being andy circus having fun. right and th- that's a fine character arc i mean it's andy circus yeah he's not the I'd real villain andy yeah is andy circus the real villain? um yeah it's a very impactful movie it's got such a strong message and i just love everything they did with this movie the cinematography the music the acting the action ryan coogler did a fantastic job sewing it all together and chadwick boseman michael b jordan they just play off of each other it's great Everyone plays off of each other. It really feels like, like when you think about it, a lot of these characters were first introduced to, but you, you enter the movie, not knowing who they are. You leave the movie really feeling a connection to them. And I think they did a great job of that. I really love this movie. (laughs) I I had a really good time with it. I think, uh, the beginning of 2018 movies has not been very kind to me. And Mm. this felt like a nice breath of fresh air coming out of the theater. Um, if only you had like Paddington, you would have just yeah, not <laughs> then it would just really really have some momentum there. No, yeah, that's not happening ever. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for getting my wife hooked on it because now I have to hear about Paddington all the right. time. Um, anyway, uh, Black Panther. I, I mean, that was just it was so fun, and we we talked a lot of the initial stuff on the the drive home podcast exclusive yeah. patrons. Nice plug. See how I did that. That was a good plug, right? Mm. I did it for you. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this movie's great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I, you know what? I can't remember walking away from any Marvel movie feeling the way I did when we saw this earlier in the week. Um, you know, when you ask questions like, is this the most important one? 
whatever. I can't say that this one is the most important one. I, I, you know, I don't know, right? I haven't always been a cinemaholic, so I haven't always been paying attention the way I have. But you have seen a lot of the Marvel. F- I've not seen all of them, but I've I've seen most of them. The essential ones. I've seen the essential ones, <laughs> and I say that this one challenged me the most as a white straight man in America, and this one made me think the most about you know who I am and what my place in this world is. And it also made me, like, I feel, I don't know, try not to get too emotional on this, I guess. <laughs> mm. But no, I, I think this one challenged me in the best way, and I, I walked away feeling really happy because I saw a great movie, and, like, open, more open-minded, I guess, to to what's going on around me, and I think that's what makes this movie so important to me. So I don't know if this is cut and dry the most important Marvel movie, but this is the most important movie. Oh my gosh. Important Marvel movie to me personally. Um, and you know, aside from the message, it was, it was fantastic. Wakanda is beautiful to look at. And I said this in our drive home thing. I, there are a few times in fictional movies that I feel like I want to actually go visit somewhere that I see because I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah, it's a fictional place. I know, but like, I really wanted to go see Wakanda cause I just thought it was really cool, beautiful. The, the way that they integrated the culture of, you know, it, it's just, it was awesome. And I think Michael B. Jordan is probably one of the best Marvel villains we've seen. Um, at least for me. I, and I, I just loved it. I loved all of this. If you couldn't tell, I'm like, I don't have, you're glowing. Things. I'm so happy. Yeah. Um, jeez, I, I, I really like this movie a lot. Um, it's not my favorite Marvel movie, but I've, I've definitely, I, I definitely want to see it again, I guess. I, I, I've seen it once. I think we've all seen it once. None of us have seen it twice. Um, I, I almost saw it again last night. Yeah, I wanted to, I should have seen this movie instead of watching early man. Um, I, I have my flaws and I, but I want to focus more on like the things I like about this one. And I, I you know, I, I haven't mentioned Letitia Wright enough. That's for sure. Uh, I, if you want to ruffle some feathers, uh, get some people angry, um, tweet out that you wish that, uh, the avatar theme park at Disney was Wakanda instead. <laughs> I Av- saw that tweet. Avatar has some like diehards <laughs> that are out there that are like, really? Cameron avatar or avatar last day better. Avatar, the movie from 2009 that is getting worse sequels. Well, Disney turned it into a theme park. And, like, I admit, like, yeah, I'm sure the theme park is fine. But it's it's Pandora. Can you imagine if they retrofitted that to be Afrofuturistic Wakanda and how much cooler that would be? I'd go. That'd Um, be great. That said, (laughs) people did not love that. But I I think that Wakanda is one one of the coolest cinematic concepts we've we've gotten in a long time and i think it's the the two best things about this movie are the wakanda world building um and the supporting cast my biggest issues not even issues uh my biggest thing with it is i do think that chadwick boseman's black panther is less he doesn't he doesn't feel like a natural extension of the character we were introduced to in civil war which works for the movie in a way because that makes this one feel maybe a little bit more standalone because like a lot of what happens in civil war doesn't inform his character arc in this story. So we haven't talked too much about the story. Uh, the idea is that T'Challa, our main character played by Bozeman, uh, has recently inherited the throne of this secret 
African utopia called Wakanda, which uses vibranium, the stuff that makes Captain America's shield so plot armory. And it's like this mist, it's almost like a mystical substance. It's kind of implied that vibranium, the vibranium is influenced by the soul gem from the infinity stones and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That said, like it's allowed the Wakandans to have this really advanced society. So from there, you have T'Challa returning to Wakanda and trying to figure out the best way to rule his people. He kind of has to deal with some of the skeletons in Wakanda's closet, and he has a supporting cast all around him um, from you know, his ex-girlfriend, who is one of the spy masters, to uh, she's played by Lupita Nyong'o, to Denai Guerrero plays this general who is a little bit more like, we need to keep this place safe. Um, and then the villains in the in the movie, the Killmonger, who he believes that Wakanda is hoarding its prosperity. And he, you know, Daniel Kaluuya kind of echoes that. And uh, he plays the leader of one of the tribes. And then, uh, you know, I should mention it again, because I have to mention her 20 more times. Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright is a wonder. Um, the Disney princess we've been waiting for. Uh, the one that I, I hope you guys know that I'm not being facetious. Like Letitia Wright is my favorite thing about this movie. I don't know about you guys. Oh, no, she was great. Yeah, she's probably my favorite thing, to be honest, as well. She's like the comedic relief, technological prodigy character. She's like, she also yeah. gets to like give the gadgets out. Well, I mean, it's not only that she just does, like you were saying, give out the gadgets. So she plays a vital role in the movie. Like, she's yeah. not just like the stationary comedic relief character. She is, in some ways, even better than Black Panther at solving what's going on here. So, yeah, and I, I mean, think that's I think on purpose. Great. That like, oh, I know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. All the characters around him are driving the story. None of them are props. None of them are there to like do exposition. Exposition is unfolded dramatically through their eyes. And it's so cool because like you have this part with Martin Freeman where they could have easily made it a fish out of water story and had Freeman come in and like, you know, oh, what is this Wakanda? And then that's how you learn what Wakanda is. And it would have made him the audience surrogate. The movie doesn't do that at all. And that's why mm-hmm. it. I, you know, that's why it feels it's good. Like, I think it would have really been terrible if Freeman had been the star. Letitia Wright and I have the same birthday. See, Destiny. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's like you're yeah. saying. I mean, I feel like it's not, even though it is called Black Panther, it feels like an ensemble piece. It feels like Wakanda is like the main character of this film. And I don't know, it just, it just feels so vibrant and lived in. And like, it just feels like you're not just like watching your movie, you're literally going into this like whole expansive vividly realized world and just something about it especially in that first half just feels so inviting and so all-encompassing in a way that just i mean it just it's it's like just amazing to see in the most you know literal sense it's just an amazing film it represents what i love probably the most about thor ragnarok and guardians of the galaxy which are my two favorite marvel films and i i love what i love about those ones is the world building of those locations sakar the, the Guardians universe and all of that. And I think Wakanda outshines them in world building. And it's something that's on Earth. But I love it because it carries on like Marvel's like, let's be not just weirder, but let's be bolder and grander and have like some real technicolor vision to our, our movies here. And I, yeah, Black Panther does that really well. Do you guys have any, what, what, what do you guys have any flaws of the movie? I mean, like we've kind of like skirted around it. Uh, I do think. And I don't know if this is really a flaw. It's more just to be expected. I, guess, I feel like the third the third act kind of falls through the usual tropes of like a Marvel movie. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. I, I agree do think there completely. Are, you agree completely. I, I yeah, it's my biggest issue with the the whole thing. Because especially like the beginning of it feels 
for a Marvel movie, pretty inventive with how it structures the story and how it plays with things, especially um, Ryan Coogler, as he did in uh, uh, Creed. He he does like a lot of like extensive takes, like long angles, and it feels like different in the way that the movie is shot and approached. But then it's like the, yeah, like yeah, and then like the third act kind of like it. I mean, the battle scene's cool. It's very well done. It's especially well directed. But I don't know, like especially like in that uh, I forget what they call that little like uh, area. It's like super green screeny. It just felt like they shot that whole thing in a studio in a way that most of the other movie did not feel like it was like shot in the studio, and like also just how like things kind of go down. I mean, not to get in the spoilers, but like just, yeah, I don't know. there's supposed yeah, to be just, this big epic yeah. dramatic fight, and I just don't think it was as dramatic or epic as it should have been based on how right. it was built it up. That's really the only complaint that I have is that I was looking so like the entire movie. I'm looking forward to that the fight you're talking about. And it feels like it kind of just happened. And then when it was over, I was like, oh, yeah. like that happened. And I don't remember being invested in it. Well, I mean, that's just like the first time I was like, oh, yeah, I'm watching a movie right now. Because it looks like a movie. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't look bad necessarily. It just looks like a green screen movie. And it's there's this, the scene right after that, I think, redeems, redeems it. I think that last scene, just the way it's written and executed, I think is really powerful. And so, I mean, overall, I mean, the film... The resolution completely works. Yeah, it's the climax that I think it was a little bit okay, you know? Like, just didn't wow me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, um, without getting into spoilers, it does kind of get into this whole battle of the five armies type shtick. But I I did enjoy the the fight that was going on while that fight was going on, the one... When Letitia Wright was on screen? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, when Letitia Wright was on screen, but also aside from that, <laughs> also the other fight uh, between the other two characters, um, I enjoyed that part of the fight scene. But the the whole big battle thing was kind of it, it's kind of cliche, you know. It's kind of safe, like this is how we're going to end our third act, or this is what we're going to do in our third act. And a lot of movies, especially Marvel movies, do that. Um, but I do agree with Will. The resolution at the end of that. I wouldn't say really redeemed it for me, but it definitely brought the movie back to how it was before and, and brought me back into the world uh, with aside from that little like jump out of it where it's like, Oh yeah, this is a, this is a CGI movie. And then now we're back into how Coogler directs. So yeah. I, I did enjoy the scene after that. Only, only character that didn't work for me at all. And I want to hear if uh, any of you agree with this was Martin Freeman. I just did not care about Martin well, Freeman in this. His Ross, I think his name. He yeah, wasn't... I think he's a great actor. I just feel like he was like the Marvel, like the studios, or, or I don't know if it was Kevin Feige or whoever, was like, yeah, we kind of need to like connect this to our universe, so we need to put Martin Freeman yeah. in here. But there's no reason for him to be in this right. movie. It, it re- really isn't. I, I don't... You could have easily, I, I think that like, because you can look at a different supporting character who does really work on the movie, and that's Winston Duke. Uh, he plays this, like, the he's a leader of, like, the Baku. white gorillas. And uh, he has such a cool, like, angle into the story without overshadowing any necessary plot. And there's even... And I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, one thing I also really like about this movie is that, like, for the most part, like, there are a few things that you might be kind of confused on. But overall, if you were not to see any other Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, you can pretty much follow the film except for the stuff with Martin Freeman. Yeah, like, I think you would be confused. You'd yeah. be like, because the way he's introduced, I'm sure you'd be wondering, like, why is Bilbo Baggins in this? Like, why, <laughs> why do other characters seem to know who he is? And that's confusing. Yeah, I do love there's the joke's been said like a million bajillion times. But uh, 
that the the fact that it has like the token white the boys token in it white guys the, yeah i told yeah, maverick that, that joke <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, he i don't know who that. came up with it first but that is a great joke yeah um so the joke i guess i have to explain it so martin freeman and andy circus were both in lord of the rings movies uh one of them was in the hobbit the hobbit one yeah. of, or both one, okay so circus was in both lord of the rings and hobbit as Gollum, and martin freeman was bilbo baggins so that's your joke enjoy it yeah <laughs> uh also somebody, go on tumblr someone made it much better than we did. I'm uh, sure. I think it's where it originated Tumblr. Probably. Martin Freeman retweeted it a couple times. Yeah. It's either Tumblr or Twitter. Okay. So that all that said, uh, you know, the only other thing, the only other thing that I want to point out, um, Daniel Kalua, I think that like his character wasn't written as well. Uh, there were some character yeah. beats with him that were a little bit of a stretch. I don't know if you guys. There was a jump. There was a definite jump in his character that I didn't really expect because it wasn't really set up very well. Like they, yeah. the way his character spoke, I could kind of see it going towards that. But yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like um, what's his face and um, Doctor Strange. I cannot remember his name right now. Uh, uh, Wong. No, not, not Wong. <laughs> um, the the other sorcerer, the one who who uh, teaches him. One. Not the ancient one. The uh the, the man of African American descent. Uh Chiatel Elderforce character? Yes, thank you. Um, oh more okay. Yeah, he, yeah, I he see what you're saying. A jump that I really it, it came out of nowhere for me. This one wasn't as strong as that one, but it's still like kind of jarring. I was like, whoa, okay, that's wow, dude. You're kinda Yeah. I, I mean I don't want to get into the spoilers for it, but it's kinda like wow. Yeah, hundred percent. But it does play into a strength of the movie, which is the motivations of the characters are very interesting, and uh, it's what makes it a very political film. The whole film is about the politics of Wakanda. You know, how are they going to uh, exercise this power and privilege they have? Is do they have a responsibility to better the world? And if they do, what does that look like? And like the characters disagree and they argue about it, but they do it in between really fun action beats. <laughs> so like, uh, that's probably why the movie is impactful because like half of it is kind of this, you know, really, uh, important movie with a purpose. And then the other half is just really entertaining spectacle, which is mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do. And I think Kugler, uh, as director has like nailed it. Uh, he's kind of nailed that balance in a way that I don't think we've seen from a lot of big action films. The only problem is that I don't think that he's a very experienced action director. And so like, if I had to put this movie up against like some of the fight choreography in uh, the movies directed by the Russo brothers, then you, you start to see like kind of some missed opportunities where I think black Panther could have been even better in terms of like, there's like a one take fights brawl fight scene that I thought was not really up to like, the best of the Marvel films. Do you guys agree? Or I, I don't know if that's a minority opinion in my, on my part. Uh, Which, are you talking uh, about the casino scene? Or are you talking yeah. about the, the one at the beginning? I would say there are like two. I'd cuts. say all of the action scenes, I didn't think were especially remarkable in, in terms of how they were staged and choreographed. I really enjoyed the, um, the, I, I agree with you. They, they aren't as, uh, as epic as a lot of Marvel movie fight scenes, but I really enjoyed this. The one part of the casino scene where, um, uh, I can't. I'm not going to try and pronounce her name because I know I messed it up. But uh, Danny, Danai, Danai Gurira's character. Yes, thank you. Uh, where she, you know, gets a little action, and I, I really enjoy her fight choreography overall because I think it is how her character would fight. Sure. Um, but I do see what you're saying about the uh, the fight choreography not being as epic. Uh, I don't think Coogler's done a lot of. I mean, he did Creed, but that's not really. I mean, that's a that's a boxing style movie. There's not a lot of 
superhero fighting choreography going into that type of movie. Yeah, I think it's a different it's a different thing, and I, I because like I was surprised a little bit because I was really expecting a lot after like that one take he does of the boxing match in Creed is like one of the coolest movie moments in 2015, the same year Mad Max Fury Road comes out. So like and Force right. Awakens. I mean, he he definitely has uh, an amazing talent. I just sort of. Uh, I think that there's something else that I think was missing here. I don't know what it was. Uh, I mean, it's worth noting that a lot of the action scenes happen at night, which is an issue, I guess, with the lighting. Yeah. I, I feel like that was maybe the one thing I had with the opening one was that it was just kind of hard to see because it was like at the dead of night. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like he has such a grand vision for how he wants to execute and shoot action. I just feel like with experience, he's just going to get better. But mm. I can see what you mean. Like, it's not like... As good as good as it could have been, but it's certainly pretty darn good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you guys have anything else before we uh, warp into our final thoughts on the movie and grades? Uh, I can I talk a little bit about that very very opening with the um I, I forget what they call the like the the way they tell stories with like the kind of like the um, they have a name for it or they show it another time I think like when they're like. I, I know what you're, you're talking about. I, I'm yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, I'm thinking of the word vignette, but that's not right. Like, like the voiceover overview. Yeah, thing. it's like the animated it, aside, yeah, like the code opening. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, no, I, I thought that was really, really, really cool, and I think that's probably one of my favorite Marvel openings in a long time. So, it definitely, if you watch through the Dark World, <laughs> and you compare the two <laughs> in terms of oh, like yeah. <laughs> how it uh, how it uses exposition, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely definitely solid. Can I talk about the? Uh, are are we allowed to get into spoilers yet, or should I be very careful with no spoilers? What I'm saying, no spoilers. Got you. Okay. Um, I just want to say, without giving anything away, I really enjoyed the message behind Killmonger. I really enjoyed his motivation. And I think I can't remember who said it, but someone said that he's one of the best villains in the MCU. I really agree because I don't think he's a, a clear cut villain where it's like, Oh, he's bad. You know, put him in jail. Obviously there's nothing. He just wants to cause he was, he just wants to wreak havoc. But I think that he does have points to make and the message behind it's a lot like uh, what I think about Kylo Ren, but that's a different movie. So I won't get all into that, but I just really enjoyed Killmonger's uh, motivation. Yeah, he his methods are villainous, but his motivations are empathetic. And yeah, like yeah. he's a victim, you know, to start with, you know, without giving things right. away. And it, yeah, it's I, I well, think it's a great part of the movie. Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, the best villains, you may not always root for them, but you certainly understand them. And I feel like that's the same as it was with Michael Keaton and uh Spider Man Homecoming, who I think was probably one of the best uh, Marvel villains before this one. So yeah, I yeah. agree with you completely, Don. So in both cases, mm-hmm. like I think a good antagonist has to measure up to the protagonist in ways that uh, allow the protagonist to learn something, to achieve something, right? So what was great about the Spider-Man homecoming villain was that Michael Keaton, they both were doing the same sort of thing, right? Using Tony Stark technology to sort of better their lives. And he sort of saw the clash, not just in their ages, but like, you know, value of human life and things like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like a home run, I think, uh, especially compared to here. I think the, the hero villain dynamic is a lot stronger because, T'Challa is just this passive, kind of indecisive guy. You know, he he's king and he knows he has to do something. And then this other guy comes along to challenge him and like has good reasons to do it. And he's kind of like a it's it's a mirror opposite. They're both very similar, but they're still like fundamentally different. 
and reversed. And like that to me is a great protagonist antagonist relationship. It's why like, even though you don't root for Michael B. Jordan, you really want to, because you kind of see, you know, morsels there of like, what kind of movie would that be like if, you know, if Killmonger did this or that. So the way that they clash, that's partly why I think I was kind of let down by uh, the climactic fight, because I just don't think it was as like, you know, Simba versus Scar and Lion King kind of, you know, like it it definitely wasn't as like amazing as that, unfortunately, but uh, definitely like, I guess Lion King is a pretty easy comparison because there's a lot of Hamlet stuff and Shakespearean stuff going on in this movie. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, certainly the, uh, uh, like the scene where he talks with his dad certainly was a very evocative of the Lion King, but uh, yeah, I don't want to make such a simple comparison because I feel like the movie certainly stands on its own away from being it does, compared to it does. It's It's not to its detriment. It just, you know, it is a very obvious referential thing that you can tell that they were inspired by. Right, sure. One of the yeah. one of the best, greatest movies of all time, which just happens to play, take place in Africa and like to celebrate, you know, African culture. I mean, I love how when you're in this movie, you see a, a side of Africa, not just in Wakanda, obviously, because Wakanda doesn't exist, but like, you know, like those overhead shots and like there, there are places in this, in this continent that like, you're like, man, like sometimes you forget how big and diverse Africa is uh, as an environment. And I, I wish we had more movies like that, that take place on this continent. And it's so ignored. I think showing so many different tribes uh, in the black Panther mythos and like basing them off of different African cultures and tribes is a really good uh, decision. Cause it, it, like you said, it definitely shows how large Africa is and how much culture there is behind it. Yeah, like the detail and all the different outfits and like uh, all the different like varieties of culture in Wakanda. It, it just, you can tell that they, the attention to detail is just insane. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, I guess it's time to get into our final thoughts and let's grade this thing. Uh, starting with you, Maverick Hines, uh, final thoughts. Um, <clears throat> I don't really know if I have anything else to add. It's just, I, I think it's, it's an important movie that's really, really good. It's worth your time. Uh, no doubt about that, and, and I think, uh, I like I said, I just I just had such a good time um, seeing a villain that I liked and a story that I cared about, cared about, and a world that was incredibly appealing. And um, I would see it again right now if I could. <laughs> uh, so for me, it's an A minus. Awesome, and uh, we'll ask you. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna try to better reiterate what I said before. I mean, like Babko was saying. What I like so much about this movie is, I guess when I say it's essential, it's not to say that the other movies maybe were like just fluff pieces or something, but they just didn't feel like as meaningful or as so inspired and personal as this movie does. And that Ryan Coogler could bring out such a wonderful vision out of this movie while making it very much in his style while still encompassing this big, expansive universe. It just makes it feel like a bigger, better place. And I think because of that, not only is this a great hero, I think Black Panther is just going to make our world a better place. So I think overall, quality-wise, it might be a B plus, but I think just for what it's going to do, I'm going to give it an A-. Awesome. Awesome. And Adonis Gonzalez? Um, yeah, I guess i just say that um, I think it's a very important movie, too. I think it's very impactful. Um, I don't think it's the only important movie in the MCU, but I think that... The fact that it didn't, they didn't shy away from the message it was trying to say and the fact that it's still a very good action movie and a very good superhero movie while also being a movie about people and this culture and this message that they're trying to display. 
that I think is a message for everyone, not just the people of African-American descent. I think anyone can go on this movie, uh, watch it and agree with the message. Uh, I think that Ryan Coogler does a great job of handling and juggling all of these different themes that go into the movie. Uh, there are a few character arcs and a few scenes that weren't exactly the greatest. We talked about them, um, but they, they weren't so bad that they shied away from the rest of the movie. So I, I definitely give it an A minus for me. Wow. Um, yeah, just, I, I think that this movie, it, you know, it needed to be good. It needed to be good. It was, it's, it's the kind of film that I wish we had gotten Black Panther. We got it. We got it at the time that we got it. Um, maybe yeah. this is the best version we would have got it. Maybe it wouldn't have been this good if it had come out five years ago. I wish, but I still wish it had come out, um, earlier. And I wish that we had a superhero movie like this, uh, earlier, because I think that it is something that just really is just Marvel showing off at this point that, as a production company, they can just bring it in so many different places that they can do a different type of superhero movie. And, uh, you know, like after you, you, you feel like we feel like we've, they've done it all. What, what else is there to say in this MCU, this like certain style? And we didn't mention it, but like it, it, this movie definitely tones down the jokes, uh, which for a lot of people who are kind of getting sick of, you know, like Thor Ragnarok was, you know, and Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Spider Man Homecoming, all three of those. Had comedy as a subgenre, and here there are jokes. It's funny in certain parts, but the subgenre is probably action. <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. it's it's action, it's adventure, it's political thriller. It's the best comparison I think would be Captain America: Winter Soldier, which oh, I think yeah. in many people's eyes is one of the best Marvel films to date. And that one is a very different movie from something like, say, Guardians of the Galaxy, which a lot of people really enjoy as well. So, all that said, I think that. Yeah, Black Panther earns its place as uh, a totally original, a totally original, even though it's based on source material movie with uh, great performances. And I think that I see so much potential in the Black Panther two, just really like being like the next Spider Man two, even um, just coming mm-hmm. on and just completely taking the world by storm uh, with with uh, an even even better deepening of what Wakanda is and like what kind of story we can tell in that location. And I love Wakanda. I want to see it in theme parks. I want to go there if I want it to exist from now on. So that's where I'm at. Um, that said, I do have a lot of, I've, I've, I've said all my flaws with the movie. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's quite where I, where I think it needs to be in some uh, key areas, but uh, it's still, it's a B plus for me and that makes it an A minus average, which, you know, A for Angela Bassett. He should have been Storm, like, 17 years ago. Um, <laughs> she's finally getting her due. But okay, that's our Black Panther review. Um, good movie, guys. I'm glad I'm glad we were able to to talk about it. I, I want to talk about it more, but I feel like I'm still processing it. Yeah. It would be good to have, like, a spoiler talk about it, maybe put it on the Patreon or something, where we can really kind of delve into some of the stuff we've been holding Will's, back on. Will's always hustling. Always, like, well, we could do this, we could do that, yeah, for a couple of dollars. Just pitching, man. Just pitching. Always pitching. Couple extra bills. You work in advertising. I don't work in advertising. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our mini reviews. Um, starting with, uh, well, I, let's start with Early Man. Early Man. Will Ashen, I, you saw this yeah. movie. I saw this movie. Yeah. I, I think did. we're the only ones. You are the only ones. Mm, yeah. Might be the only ones in the United States of America, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> this movie has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Um, well, Ashen, uh, first of all, for people who don't know what Early Man is, or maybe they don't even know uh, about Ardman's animation, uh, take us on a journey. Oh, well, Ardman animation, 
Uh, I do not say this slightly. I think they are one of the best animation houses working in the business right now. I'd say they're only second to Disney and Pixar. They might even be in some ways better than I might have just as high an opinion on them. I disagree. Because they, what's it? I, I've never been taken with Hardman animation. Really? I, I just think that they're completely overhyped. I think they've oh, made wow. only a handful of good things. And Yikes. I think, I think people like their, their movies for very superficial reasons. I, could not disagree more. <laughs> um, I've been waiting no. for this conversation. Go ahead. Okay. I don't know. I mean, for me, it's a little bit biased just because I think stop motion animation is my favorite form of animation. The reason why I believe that is because I feel like when you watch stop motion, there's just something about that I feel like fully encompasses why I love film. Just because everything is literally so handcrafted, so meticulously picked out and done to the point where when you see a live act or um, stop motion film, it feels like you're literally watching like movie magic. And I feel like Armin animation are some of the best stop motion animators who do that particular craft. So I feel like Wallace and Gromit, that's something I grew up on extensively. Chicken run, Arthur Christmas, Shaun the sheep. I could go on and on. I think not all of them are quite to that level. I'll agree with you there, but I think that they are by and far amazing at what they do. But I, I will just, just to say my piece, I think Shaun the Sheep and I think Arthur Christmas are legitimately great films. I think Wallace and Gromit is very elementary kind of stuff. It's, it's charming. I mean, fighting words, John. It's Them charming, because. but it's not like, I'm sorry, Leica has proven that stop motion animation can be a lot better. And if that's the baseline, then you know, I don't see Ardman. Have you, I mean, have you actually like watched the original shorts like ron trousers i I grew up on them too will they came out okay i'm just saying i I mean because like i feel like ron trousers like the wrong trousers is like legit great like Mm -hmm. i i don't get why you're saying it's superficial enjoyment Uh, i'll be a little exaggeratory just to i know i know know, but i mean i i'm i can't help being a little Mm -hmm. offended by it i apologize you're you're attacking something very near and dear to my heart you're always pitching i'm always bitching go ahead all right, are we allowed to even say that on this podcast? I don't even know. Let's keep going. Uh, yeah, so that said, as much as I love Armin Animation, Early Man feels like a minor work for them in the sense that I don't think it's bad. I think it's fine. It's clever like they always are. It's silly. It's goofy. It's good-hearted. But I don't know. Just something about it just doesn't really feely, fully go to like the lengths of their other works. I I don't know if it's just because it's so British that I can't fully connect with it, or if it's because like the writing just feels a little more hit and miss, but it just, I don't know. Something about it just didn't really warm up to me the way that so many other Armin animation productions have really made me feel like, Oh, I'm just in love with this. Like it just, something about it just feels kind of off. And I'm guessing you're somewhat in the same place, John. Yeah. It's a bad movie. It's the writing it's is bad. bad. The writing is bad. It's not charming. It's not amusing. It is just a very like by the numbers, play it safe, formulaic. You know, there it it, it is a movie that I'll agree with you. Stop motion animation stops me in my tracks. But this is some of the laziest stop motion animation I think I've ever seen from any studio. And and to come from Ardman, which I usually praise those films on technical merit, like Chicken Run is not a movie I love, but like it is 
as indulgent as Chicken Run in the sense that like it does not feel like its own thing. It is a rip of like so many other movies. It has nothing original to say. Like even the boar pig thing is just grommet. So like I just I don't see any no, don't value in this movie. It's just not worth your time. I think if you're if you really love Brit like even if you really love British humor, actually, I, I don't think any of it is particularly good. There are parts where I was like, well, that's a good, well written joke. Didn't make me laugh because this movie does not put you in a zone to be to laugh. It just and there was only like three good jokes at all. Most of them were uh. so juvenile and so like obvious and just puns that i just didn't want i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't in it i'll agree with you on two things i do agree that a lot of the jokes are obvious which is one reason why i wasn't able to like have a lot of belly laughs more just like oh like hearty chuckles like that was kind of amusing uh but and i also agree that the story is way too simplistic for its own good however everything else mm. you said i cannot agree with at all it's not surprising there's nothing surprising about it like it's all exactly what you expect well, that's not what I was talking about. I, I agree with you that the story is simplistic. What I was going to say is that you call it lazy. I cannot agree with that at all because the environments themselves, at least, are so fleshed out and so well animated and stuff that, I mean, especially, I mean, one of my biggest complaints with movies is that we don't really spend a lot of time in the caveman, like, uh, I forget what they call that little grassy area, but the that valley. area itself is so beautifully realized. It's so vivid. There's like one shot that detracts it and it's just... It's amazing. I think that itself is one of the best environments that Armin Animation has ever made. I think in their it's whole stale. Career. I think I've seen too many Leica movies to know that these environments can be jaw dropping. And there was nothing about that valley that t- that I was like, wow, like how did they do that? I was, I was just like, oh, they did that. And I would even con- I would, comparing it to something like Arthur Christmas, which you know is a totally different kind of movie, obviously in terms of animation too. But like I, d- I don't know, just to me this felt like their C game. I, I don't I don't see what you're seeing, especially when they're in like the Bronze Kingdom or whatever. Like that was some of the most like uninspired visual design. It was literally just a soccer stadium. And don't give I love soccer. Soccer is my favorite sport. I should love this movie. I should love a sports comedy that is like a parody of other sports comedies. I don't want to just watch like people playing soccer unrealistically to the plot of Air Bud and Mighty Ducks. Like that to me isn't a movie. That's just like a way to pass the time if you're really bored. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I agree with you that the plot is too simple. But yeah, I just I can't like I honestly just cannot agree that the movie. I don't know. I mean, I think the designs are funny. I think Hognog, what well, I was going to go before, Hognog, comparing him to Gromit, they said that they're the same character. I cannot understand same that. Same personality. All. Same. No, no. Like, Gromit oh, he's is more a lot smarter. He's a lot more aware of what's going on. He has a lot more agency. Hognob is like just, I like Hognob, but he is not Gromit. He just basically goes well, with the flow. All of his expressions are like, like, oh, these stupid cavemen. That's what made me think of Gromit. No, that's not what Hognob is. He's like helping out his friends. He's not like saying he's better than them. Mm. I didn't get that impression at all. I got it from his expressions. And I look, I can't look at this movie and be like, wow, like they're so creatively designed. I was like, no, this is the same Ardman animation designs we get in all the movies. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just like, there's nothing particularly new about it. It's like, if we watched like, like the new Incredibles trailer, like I'm not going to be like, wow, like this animation's groundbreaking. What's well, not. It's just, it's the animation from 2004 well, with some updates. I mean, I'm don't put words in my mouth. I didn't say it was groundbreaking. I, <laughs> say, I didn't say you said it was groundbreaking. Well, you kind of suggested it. I'm just saying that I think it's still just as impressive as most, if not all, of the things they've done before. As far as 
creating this world and creating this environment. I'm not saying the set designs themselves are like the as good as maybe like the sets they made for the Pirates or Arthur Christmas. I agree that they could be, you know, more encompassing and make. I don't know. I mean, I just feel like the story itself just limits those environments. But yeah, I don't know. I I think the way it's designed, the way the animation is done. I don't know. I I think you call think it's too simplistic. I would say the fact that it looks simple is a credit to their brilliant animation. But but I don't think it's don't fluid know. enough. Like the the production design, I'll agree with you there. They're good ideas. But like, and and look, I I don't think that this is a movie that. I'm not going to look at it and say like, it's watchable. It really is, but it's, it's aimed for kids and it likes that it's aimed for kids. And it, it's just aimed for kids. In my opinion, I don't think there's much value to it beyond that. And for a kid's movie, I give it a C for caveman because I think that like, it's, it's a C movie for kids. I think it's like a C minus for adults. Yeah. I mean, I think in the broad scope of it, I think we're not far off. I gave it a B minus and that was a little charitable, but I just think the the smaller things that you're kind of nitpicking, I just can't get behind at all. I think from an animation standpoint, it's still very well realized, but I just wish the story and the jokes were a little better. So yeah, I'll give it a B minus. Agree to agree to slightly disagree. Who would have? It always happens. Who would have thought this would have been the argument? I, I we'd have. I, I was hoping to? it would happen. Are you guys still friends? <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me later. Um, okay. Okay, uh, Maverick Hines, uh, we both saw a movie called The Ritual. That is correct. Um, to walk us through this one, this British horror film. The Ritual is a very interesting, it almost feels like a reboot of the Blair Witch Project uh, in a way. <laughs> it's a Netflix original, so you can watch it right now. It's available. And yeah. as you know, people who listen to the show for a minute know, I, I'm a fan of horror thriller kind of intense movies like this so when i saw the preview for it on netflix i was like man this is this is cool i'm gonna check this out um and honestly there's not there's not a ton to this like it's not the most challenging movie it's not the scariest movie it's not a super original story you know it's a creepy camping movie something goes wrong you gotta go the you know, you got to take the shortcut through the woods and then bad stuff happens. And- I have to interrupt you, Maverick, because MoviePass just sent me a notification. Here's what it says. Early Man is epic fun for all. See it in theaters, all caps, now. Well, MoviePass is it, watching it has me. To be true. That's a little aggressive. <laughs> uh, but yes, anyway, the ritual. Yeah, so I mean, we the basic story, we, we follow, you know, these this group of uh, five guys. Uh, one of their friends, you know, gets murdered. And yeah. it's a bad time. And the other friend maybe could have done something to stop it. And that's kind of like the lingering idea behind this is that the one friend, you know, some people hold him responsible. Some people don't. So they yeah. go on this camping trip to honor their friend because it was his idea. Yeah. Um, one of the other friends gets hurt. They take a shortcut through the woods. And this very quickly turns into like a <sighs> creepy camping movie. Um, Best yeah. part of the movie, by the way, is probably like the frantic, like they, you know, you have one of them is injured and they just, you feel like they're getting stalked. Yeah. Like that part of the movie, I was in it. Well, I, I'd say even though it's you know a pretty simple movie and it's not the best thing in the world, there actually are a few really good elements. Yeah. I think the um, cinematography was really good. Uh, the shots and like the kind of the, the sets they used in while they're in the woods. I Great think sense of location. Really they did a good job of setting a creepy tone with a not very creepy story. Um, yeah. The and I'll, I'll get to my favorite part of the movie here in a second, but uh, it, it's. I don't know. It's 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 a whatever movie, right? Like 
I, it's not something like I don't remember a ton of the details. I didn't hate the time. Like I enjoyed it. It was fun to watch, but it wasn't like, oh wow, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel really much. <laughs> it was kind of like an all male The Descent, yeah. but like very toned down from that because like descent what's so great about that one is the the claustrophobia um and like just the real sense of like hopelessness here you get a little bit of the sense of hopelessness but because it's a forest i think that it's not quite you know you don't get the claustrophobia obviously but you get like the continual sense of like they don't know where they're going yeah which you can relate with right like like, yeah yeah i know what you mean like get a, getting lost in the woods is a very like yeah, scary thing you know, they're dealing with like an injury they're getting scared yeah. so you see a lot of these these four kind of alpha personalities but the movie it, it turns into something totally different in the end which i think is like uh, like there's a there's a there's a visual design to a certain element of the story all right no spoilers here yeah that you, i thought legitimately was inspired if you Look like if you look up the movie, you're gonna see a lot of this. So if you don't want to be surprised, don't even Google the movie because every article is like, "Oh, this about the show." This, you know. Yeah. But I will say that the ending of the movie brings in a lot of Norse mythology, which yeah, I, that that's a part I really liked, and that's probably the big reveal is my favorite part of the movie for sure. Um, and it's cool. It's okay. really cool. It's a great design, all that kind of stuff. But I don't want to touch too much of it if you do plan on watching it. I think it's worth watching if you like horror movies or if you liked Blair Witch Project, I guess, you know, the kind of scary camping movie, stocky stuff. But I, I think it's it's fine. It's, you know, like I said, it's not fantastic by any means, but it is a beautiful movie set in Sweden. Um, yeah. And it's a gorgeous okay story. Yeah. If you have a really nice TV, then rituals for you. Yeah. But okay. I give it a C plus C uh, for Cabin in the Woods. B minus. Nice. For what? What is it for? B for B minus? I'd have to think uh, about see? it. Yeah. You're always so quick on it. I challenged you one time. You failed me. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking of one, B for British. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say something in the Norse mythology. I was like, is that a spoiler? Eh. Well, I already said Norse mythology. So. Oh, anyway. Uh, I'll be really quick with this one. We're probably going to talk about uh, this movie's Game Night. Uh, we're probably going to talk about this movie more next week. when it Yeah, hits I see it Tuesday night, so... I'm just gonna say this is a very this is a mini mini review. I saw it a couple of weeks ago, and I've been waiting to talk about it because this is this is one of my favorite comedies in a little while. Uh, it's a hilarious movie starring uh, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, and it's it's like if a date night, you know the premise of date night, right? Like oh they yeah. go on a date and like it turns into this sort of like one crazy night. That's kind of this film. But this film does that concept so much better and so much more comedically. And it has a nice little tiny message. It's really worth your time. So if you're able to catch a screening of it, uh, it's it's just a great comedy in February, which is unexpected. Uh, I, I hope you like it, Will. We'll, we'll, talk more, yeah. we'll talk more about it. Coming soon. I'm hearing good things, which gets me excited because um, the directors, I can't remember their names. I know the one kids from uh, Freaks and Geeks. but Yeah, John uh, Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. They, they worked on, uh, they didn't direct it, but they worked on Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, I was going to say, Spider-Man Homecoming, as far as right, as their writing and directing efforts go, is the only thing from theirs I've liked. Yeah. So uh, I did not like Horrible Bosses. I did not like uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. I did not like the Vacation movie at all. I thought that was basically a terrible movie. So I'm surprised, but I'm going to be going in with an open mind to see this new Game Night movie. Yeah. I, I liked the first Horrible Bosses, agreed with everything else, though. Um, yeah, they, but I think that... Uh, I think that they're starting to find their stride, and I uh, I hope that's the case uh, with other opinions. So that's game night uh, coming uh, pretty soon. 
And then I think we just have a, uh, a couple more. So, Will Ash, you yeah. saw a movie called, or not a movie, you saw a comedy special <laughs> featuring Chris Rock. When was the last time Chris Rock had a comedy special? I'll tell you, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, I think. Wow. And that's Feels the, long. yeah, that's the thing about this. Uh, so, it was announced not too long ago, I, I think maybe a year or so ago, that Chris Rock was going to go on Netflix like many other comedians before him and now after him. Uh, and he signed on for a deal for like $40 million to make two stand-up specials. But after that, no real deal or no real news from the specials had come out. And then on Valentine's Day, basically out of nowhere, there's like, oh, here's a Chris Rock special. Uh, it's called Tambourine, and it's his first actual stand-up. You see, he did a little bit of stand-up in top five, like for about like five minutes. But this is like the first time he's really done stand-up in about a good solid decade or so. And uh, I mean, just watching the special... It's clear that he is by and far. I mean, I I do like his comedy stuff as far as his movies go and stuff like that. But I feel like as a stand-up comedian, he really is like one of the best working right now. I mean, he when he's in his moment, when he's in his element, he is truly brilliant as a stand-up. I think some of the stuff, especially towards the beginning and the end of the special, are some of the best like stand-up comedy I've seen in a long, long time. And I don't want to give away any of the bits. I mean, he does some stuff about like uh, very political things, just about like uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and about different things going on politically. But um, it's mostly just him talking about where he's been in 10 years, what's going on with his family life and how he gets really candid about how he messed up because he cheated on his wife several times. And that led to their eventual divorce. They've been together for almost 20 years. Uh, and he makes it, you know, very personal, very honest. He doesn't you know, blame anyone other than himself, but he still makes it very funny and enjoyable. But there is like a middle segment where he kind of, you see where he's still kind of, he needs to get the uh, juice flowing again. He has, he's not quite as yeah. quick as he was before, but I think with the next special, he's going to be really, really as good as, if not better than he was here and as he was back in his heyday. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what grade I'd give it just because I feel weird about giving we never grade, grades. We never grade them. They don't need grades. They just need shuckles. Yeah, I mean, I'd say um, it's also worth noting that it's directed by Bo Burnham, who recently just did uh, Eighth Grade at Sundance. Uh, Alex was talking about that on our episode. Uh, I don't know. I mean, as far as the directing goes, it's fine. I mean, it's not like anything noteworthy, but it is curious, like at the beginning and like one or two of the uh, actual like film scenes that they have where you can kind of see what his directorial style is going to be like. So I'm very curious to see what Eighth Grade is going to be in about, I don't know how many months it comes out, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely would check it out, especially if you're a Chris Rock fan. So, yeah. I'm checking this one out today. Uh, looking forward cool. to it. Yeah, it's only about an hour, so it's well worth your time. Nice. All right. Uh, Adonis Gonzalez, you have a video game for us, which is definitely yes. different. We don't usually do video games on Cinemaholics, but uh, this happens to be a video game that I've been playing a lot, too. Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Tell us about it. Yes, I cannot put this game down and that is not an exaggeration it's really hard to yeah it's really really hard i played about every day all my other games have collected dust and it sucks because i bought a few other games around the same time you know wanting to try them all out uh i started with this one and i've yet to touch the other ones and i have to ask Uh, i have to ask maverick hines and will ashen are you guys fans at all of dragon ball dragon ball z any of that stuff i love it i grew up watching it it's one of my favorite things ever I knew that because oh, like you could literally hear the sound effects, and you're like, "Are you watching Dragon Ball Z in yeah, there?" And like, I, I wish. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, yeah I'm out of my loop here. I don't know anything about Dragon Ball Z, so I'll just stay mute. Yeah, stay. Out How of are this. you with uh, 
fighting games. He plays zero video games, Adonis. I'll stop awesome. you right there. Okay, <laughs> His favorite so, video yeah, game. I'm, this is entirely out of my wheelhouse, so I'm yeah. just going to be not saying anything else from here on out. You guys have your fun. Well, uh, Will, uh, being a fan of Dragon Ball myself, uh, I went into this game. Uh, I, I'm not big on fighting games. I play Mortal Kombat and I play Tekken and Street Fighter, but I'm really bad at them, so I tend to not really play them a lot. But this game is kind of uh, a good game for people who like fighting games and for people who like Dragon Ball. There's a lot of yeah. uh, references to the show, to the books. Um, I haven't watched a lot of the new one, Dragon Ball Super. So I, I haven't seen of any of it. And, but I will say, even if you have no context for it, uh, it's still it's cool. I, I wasn't lost. Yeah, no, they, they don't like it's it, it actually has an original story. The plot is a uh, original story. Um, yeah, I believe it was written or co-written at least by the creator of dragon ball it was uh yeah. oh, okay cool that, which is which is cool because uh you can't say that about dragon ball gt and this kind of like retcons <laughs> gt which for those of you like dragon ball dragon ball z was like the prime you know that was dragon ball at its most popular in japan but then uh i think the creator decided like, he just didn't want to continue it so then dragon ball gt was made i think in the 90s and uh, I just, I, I don't think a lot of people loved it. It was kind of sloppy yeah. and weird. And I, yeah, I just didn't quite have that same Dragon Ball magic, you know, but it Super okay. is definitely f- from the minds of like, this is what picks up after Dragon Ball Z from now on. Yeah. And I, I think when Super came out, they retconned it. And this game kind of just goes with the, the Z slash Super story. So GT isn't even mentioned. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's an original plot. I won't go too much into the plot because I myself haven't even really played that much of the story mode because I've been playing a lot of the arcade and the it's online long. mode. It can take like up yeah. to like 15 hours to finish really? the story. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. I'll have to get into that. Um, before I go on about the gameplay, uh, it's developed by Arc System Works. So uh, Arc System Works and Bandai Namco Entertainment, if you ever played yeah. Persona 4 Arena or Blaze Blue, uh, fighting games like that. So it's got a, an actual fighting game develop developer um behind it it plays a lot like marvel versus capcom uh specifically marvel's capcom 2 it's got the the three-man teams uh, well, even the, got, their most recent uh capcom 3 because the 3v3 um tag teaming oh yeah. yeah yeah that's right that's right uh it was three that had the three man and i think infinite went back to two man but i haven't played infinite yet um it's it's a very fun game and it looks amazing it's got a, a 2.5 <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> A 2.5D uh, cell shading uh, graphic system. So Gorgeous. the way it looks, it's oh, it's amazing. It looks just like the anime, and I mean, it, it. I'm not exaggerating. It looks a lot like like the cartoon, and that's really cool because it's still a beautiful looking game. And the animation, the um, there's there's a lot of videos online about how they they made it look like this, and the the camera angles they use to give it this epic feel whenever you do like a Kamehameha or something. And there's a lot of work done behind the scenes for this game that makes it such an amazing game. And it helps that the gameplay is fun and it's really easy to pick up. Like a lot of fighting games, like I said, I'm not good at them. So when I try and play Street Fighter, I just, I don't have a lot of fun. And that's just me personally, because I can't get into all these combos. And so I just end up mashing square, triangle and circle. And I get destroyed by the easiest level of computer. Uh, <laughs> This game, it's very easy to pick up. The combos are pretty simple, but then they have more advanced combos for people who do play fighting games competitively. It's already been 
accepted by the competitive fighting game uh, circuit. You know, it's going to tournaments. So there's a lot for um, novice and professional players to hold on to. And like I said, if you're a fan of Dragon Ball, there's a lot of stuff in here, a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of characters to um, to go on. Like there's this one moment in the game where they mention that Krillin's a police officer. That's yeah. something I completely forgot about because uh, I haven't watched Dragon Ball Z in a while. But that's something that you wouldn't know unless you watch the show. But like John said, it doesn't it doesn't do it to the point where, like, if you've never seen Dragon Ball Z or Super, you'll be lost because it is an original story and it doesn't focus so much on the story of the anime where you you wouldn't know what to do. It's just a really fun fighting game that happens to be set in the Dragon Ball universe. And I, I can't stop playing it. It's so much fun. It's the first game that I actually want to try and play competitively. So I've been going like every day I, I've chosen a team. I have Krillin, Trunks, and Adult Gohan. And I just go there and I do the training mode and I go Adult online. Adult Gohan is my jam. Oh, he's, he's amazing. I think he's the best player in the game. Um, I just go in there, I do the combo challenges, I go online and I fight people way stronger than me. I get destroyed every time, but I'm learning slowly. Uh, I'm learning how to do these combos. I did something the other day that surprised even me. And I know, I, I don't know how I did it, so that'll probably be the only time I do it for a long time. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah, it's a really fun game and you just learn as you go. And I think that's why it's going to last for so long because you you keep learning new things as you play it. They're, they're, there's going to be DLC, so they're doing like two new characters, I think, mid-April, I want to say. So the game's going to continuously get stuff added onto it, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, I love the game, too. It's, uh, yeah, really tough to put down, as you said. And one of my favorite things about... Uh one of my favorite things about the game is like how scripted it can feel, but like you control it. Like they've right, made it yeah. so that the combos, like they, they have these things called auto combos that like help you out if you're a casual fighting gamer like me. And so I was, I was able to pick it up really fast and feel like I could play it competitively. So yeah, you're totally right on there. Um, I, this is the first video game I've ever reviewed for a website too, so that it should be out by the time you're listening to this, but uh, I reviewed this for the the young folks and I made a lot of the same points you're making that just gorgeous game, great for casual gamers, but also like easily easy to recommend to like hardcore fighting gamers because of the variety of like what you can do and uh, it, it can be a little intimidating at first like if you're not used to Japanese online fighting games, it can be like, mm. what am I doing here um, but if you uh, give it a chance and have some patience like it's it's great especially if you're obviously if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Fighter Z uh, if you're not like you should, you should take a look at the anime or I always tell people who are like, well you know what I never got into Dragon Ball I tell them to read the manga because I think the oh, manga yeah. is a lot more like I think I think it a- has aged better than the series. Um, mm-hmm. so I would, you know, I wouldn't recommend it to Will Ashen, of course, because he's too busy watching Armin animation films. Uh, <laughs> and I just don't think that he has the time to squeeze in Dragon Ball manga into his life. And it, you know, that's fine. That's totally fine. Will Ashen. I'm fine with my <laughs> Artman animation. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really great game and it does, um, reference a lot from the manga. I, the, one of my favorite things about the game is if you have certain, people on your team or if you're fighting against certain people like if you have goku krillin and frieza the game the match will start a different way or it'll end yeah. a different way depending on what really you do cool triggered cutscenes there yeah yeah it's just it it feels like like you said it feels scripted but you're in control with pretty much everything and i think that's a really good balance well that's dragon ball fighter z uh i gave the the game a nine out of ten uh what about you adonis i'd agree with that i'd give it a nine out of ten nice well, I, I agreed with somebody this week on, <laughs> on on something. It happened to be a video game. That's cool. 
And uh, that's our show. That's our episode of Cinemaholics. Uh, thank you for uh, so much for listening. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, of course, patreon.com Cinemaholics. Find out how you can get rewards and perks for donating to this podcast. And uh, if you love our show and you want it to continue, consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, th- thanks again. From uh, oh, next week, I think we're going to be talking about... Uh, I haven't even looked at the release as well. What's coming Is out next week? Annihilation think, coming out next week? There's Annihilation, and uh, I think I'm going to be seeing Red Sparrow, but I don't think Red Sparrow has a wide release. Yeah, I think Red Sparrow comes out the beginning of March. I'm also seeing Red Sparrow okay. Thursday oh, next week. So. We'll hold off I'm on seeing Red Sparrow. That. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I know some people are in Berlin right now, and so we're starting to get some early reviews for Isle of Dogs, the new Wes Anderson movie. So, but we'll probably stick to Annihilation next week, and uh, that should be a really cool conversation. Yeah, reading the book. Uh, you, are you going to finish it by the time you watch it? Yeah, yeah, it's actually a pretty short book, cool. so awesome. I'll probably knock it out by the end of the weekend. So, it'll be great to hear yeah. your perspective above all. But okay, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks again for listening from the Internet California. I'm John Agroni. From the Internet Pennsylvania, I am Will Ashton. From the broadband basement, I am Maverick Hines. From Internet Buckeye, I'm Adonis Gonzalez. See you next time. <laughs>